0: Attention. Attention.
1: I need your help for some votes. And you know what? It's absolutely free to do. See, I was invited to submit a two-minute sample of Lyrical Spit to enter a podcast contest. There will be judges, but this vote is for the People's Choice category. You could go to lyricalspit.com and about halfway down the web page, you will find a link that says "Vote" that will take you to the website so you could cast your vote for the lyrical spit submission. Please spread the word. Thank you, and I really do appreciate you. Ahlan, everyone listening in this vast universe. I do appreciate you all. That's why I'm always here to remind you that you are beautiful. And if you ever forget, just tune back in and I will always remind you. If there is no you, there is no lyrical or daily spit. Now I want to give a shout out to my cousin in the great state of Texas. Jamal Debashi. He was my partner in crime growing up. Jamal, I really enjoyed our conversation yesterday. I miss you, brother. And maybe we could take our kids camping one day and show them that there is a Bigfoot. Thank you for all the get well wishes still pouring in. My paw is mending well. (laughs) Cowboy Scott Casey always checks up on me and asks me how my paw is doing. Now, the days I don't do my lyrical spit, I do my daily spits, giving you positive daily quotes. Hopefully, when you are feeling down, I can bring you right back up. This is my medication. This is what keeps me sane. With the COVID lockdowns and my paw, which is my ankle, by the way, it's been making me feel like a caged up wild animal. These daily spits, what keeps this lunatic sane, because I have not been in that wrestling ring in quite a while, so I better get to my daily spit, okay? Here is your daily spit. (laughs) Inhale the future, exhale the past. Now I have some great guests lined up for future lyrical spit shows. And you know what? What? I have another blast from the past. This one's from October 10th, 2014, back when I was on Block Talk Radio. This is when I called my show Debashi's Radio Takedown. This was episode 11, so I really was green doing this podcasting. And the audio wasn't too great. This was before I built my studio. I was very honored to have the legendary Dan the B Severn on my show. And to this very day, him and I are still friends and he is still going strong. Enjoy the show.
0: Yes. Yes. Mine! Yes. Gary
2: the retard. Storm! Look yes! at that. He's sporting my shirt. Yes. <laughs> Look at that. Look, <laughs> Look at, at that. that. Look at that. Look at that baby. And I'm sporting HPG Pro. Yes. Say HPG Pro, Gary. H
0: P H P H P Pro. HPG Pro. HPG Pro. HPG Pro. HPG Pro. HPG Pro. HPG Pro. Hey!
1: Who are you? Gary yeah, you doing? And what are you listening to? Dobashi's Talk show? No, Debashes?
3: Dobashi's
0: Radio? Video? Take down! Take down!
1: I'm your host, Dafele Dobashi, and I'm honored to be in Pro Wrestling Illustrated's magazines PWI Top 500 this year. I love beating up my opponents in the ring for my entertainment and yours as well. That's what I do. But I have a new love right here to entertain you, the listeners, on Dabashi's Radio Takedown. With special guests and talks on all types of combative sports. If you have a problem and you want the people to know about it, you can air it right here. I'm not afraid letting my guests speak their mind on any topics or issue they choose. I believe it's called... Freedom of speech. We will be right back to start the show after words from our sponsors. Help keep this show free by buying some of our swag of apparel at ButcherSpit.com. We have t-shirts, hoodies, and even baby onesies. That's ButcherSpit.com. Friday, October
2: 10, 2014, Episode 11. It's my honor and privilege to introduce my guest. He is a legend to the MMA fighters around the world, the only UFC Triple Crown champion and a two-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Today, he travels the globe giving seminars, instructing, uh, instructing law enforcement officials, and making an appearance at various sporting events. He has an official UFC record of 70 wins, 13 losses, and 7 draws, and a professional MMA record of 101 wins, 13 losses, and 7 draws. Along being a UFC Hall of Famer, he is also a former UFC Superfight Champion, the one and only Dan the Beast Severin. Welcome to the show, buddy. What's up there, D? Nothing much. It's enjoying the, uh, enjoying the morning, and uh, I'm glad I could have you on. It's a great honor.
3: Well, it's a pleasure for me to at least get a chance to get out you know, let people hear from me every now and then.
2: Exactly, exactly. I've got a lot of fans out there. and uh, well, First of all, I just want to uh, say happy birthday to Roy Lovejoy and give a shout-out to Professor Mike, Michael Proctor of uh, 253bjj.com, 3630 Cedar Street. Sweet Amp, Tacoma, Washington, 9409, and his phone number is 253-720-4941. So, where are you? What state are you at nowadays?
3: I'm. Well, actually, I'll say I divide my life up into thirds there, D, is probably the best way of uh, saying it. I have a home in uh, Michigan, so I spend one-third of my time there. I have a place out in uh, Arizona, so a third of my time there. And the other third of the time is simply out on the road doing all the things that I do.
2: That's awesome. And I, I take it. that's a lot of things you do. Am I correct? Hello? Hello? Oh, okay.
3: Yep. I, it, it, you, you went, it went blank for a second there, D. I'm sorry about that. Go
2: ahead. Oh, and, no, that's okay. okay. Well, you know, let's, let's, let's get underway. know, I got a question. You know, you had a, a long and great career and I, I, I followed you and, you know the the most thing that stuck in my mind was the images of your mother at your sporting events and that like I said always stuck in, in my mind you know I love my mother very much also and you know what was your mother's um upbringing like and you know she seems she was like a huge support of your wrestling and what impact did she have on you growing up and and in your wrestling
3: I'll say that both of my parents uh, I I'm definitely a mixture of both of my parents Mm-hmm. Uh, my, father, my father gave me the physical athletic structure and size uh, A lot of drive and determination My mother gave me this fly by the seat of your pants Taking risk uh, aspects right there I've been that way pretty much most of my life uh, From my amateur, starting with my amateur wrestling days uh, I hate to even admit this, but I started amateur wrestling back in 1969 That's when I, I first started uh, my, my career mm-hmm. And um uh, uh, and then uh, I just say that uh, that that uh, success has uh, has I don't has been uh, uh, nothing that I was really seeking. I just I just found out as I was acquiring knowledge and, and doing well in different sporting events. I'm thinking, well, what's the best at this, and then trying to achieve that, and then what, who's the best at this, and trying to achieve those levels, and along the way, uh, a great deal of success and uh, a great deal of. Uh, of so, so I, I should say rewards from it all because uh it, it's it's been an interesting life and it's not like that it's over it still continues just in different sectors.
2: Oh, I got you. You know you know I understand that, you know, you were in a lot of trials, like the Olympic trials and the World Games. Um would you like to talk brief about that and, and your your um, experiences? During the trial, so just
3: talk about you know again, just through like uh, my my amateur wrestling days. I mean, it's uh, I I say that that probably laid the foundation for all of my success uh, today, because uh, it's a uh, wrestling, amateur wrestling is a very very difficult sport. It's not like all the other team sports such as basketball, football, lacrosse, uh, anything else where you you have you have other players that can pick up your slack. In a sport like wrestling, it, um, it's all individuality. When you walk out there, it's all upon you and your ability. I loved. I actually loved the sport of football more mm-hmm. than I loved wrestling, but I could not play for the other ten players. I could only play for myself. Oh, and it, I would, gotcha. it would anger me there, Dee, actually anger me when we would lose because someone would miss a block, someone would miss a tackle, and all of a sudden, you lose as a team. So the definition of the sport of wrestling is it's, an, it's a team sport based upon individual performances. So the team can lose, and I can still win, and I like those odds. <laughs> wow.
2: No, I understand. Were you ever on the Olympic wrestling team, or were you, uh, I understand, and... Um. Yeah, were you ever on the Olympic wrestling team or an alternate?
3: I I actually went through five different Olympic trials. My first one as a senior in high school at 17 years of age.
0: Wow.
2: I went to
3: my very first one again, 1976,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and I made and I made it to the top six in the country. Oh, and nice. uh, you know, and then and that was I mean that was pretty strange because here I am out there wrestling against men, who there are. Moves named after. I have read their books, and now I'm sharing that with them. So it's like, wow, it, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. Um, I have been an Olympic alternate uh, for uh, uh, the '84 Games. Uh, I've been the alternate type of position. I mean, literally, since 1976 uh, up until '92, I was in the top six. So that that's a pretty long span to have yeah. stayed, I, for that many years.
2: Wow. Now, have you ever had a match with Jeff Blatnick? And what was he uh, like?
3: You know, Jeff was, uh, no, um, Jeff was, uh, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll put it like this. Young in our careers, we were adversarial towards each other because, yes, we did show the mat as competitors. Mm-hmm. And then, Later in life, our paths crossed again as being involved in the same industry, the, the no-holes-barred, which is now called mixed martial arts era. And I like that because Americans are very short-minded. We are not very good historians. Not all of us, but as a broad sweep, yeah, it's, it's the type of thing. More foreigners could tell you Everything is located and more about our country Than what most of our students today And But that's that's a whole different topic We have to talk about our educational systems Alone But uh, Jeff and I met once again uh, UFC number four On uh, where Our paths crossed again And it was kind mm-hmm. of ironic because I, I, I can't remember exactly when uh, Jeff passed uh, away But I was with him the month before we happened to both we'll, we'll be back east. I again, I don't remember where we were. We were back east for a mixed martial arts show, and he was one of the judges that came in here. The two of us were sitting back there and just kind of talking uh, about how things just kind of gone full circle. And then, you know, a month later I ended up getting uh, an email notice that uh, Jeff had passed away. So it was kind of – I was glad to at least to, to share some time. Like I said, you know, we, from from one type of relationship to an entirely different type of relationship uh, you know at the end. Oh
2: yeah. No now what 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 got you into mixed martial art, the transition from wrestling to M M A what 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 got you into it?
3: Well I guess it really did the transformation that's from amateur wrestler mm-hmm. to uh, As of uh, 1992, a new rule came down from the United States Committee uh, to professional wrestler.
2: Right. And
3: then from there, then into being a cage fighter, because a lot of people always say, well, you you went from the cage fighting to the professionalist. I go, oh, Contreras, my friend, you do not know or understand my history then. I was an amateur wrestler, professional wrestler, and then a cage fighter. So if anyone's going to be mad at me, it should be the professional wrestling People would be mad at me for going into cage fighting stuff. But then it's, it's like this double, uh, double uh, meaning. Uh, they, they, people say, well, that's okay. You can do that. But it's... It, like a double standard there, do you? I mean, it's, it's not a lot of people think, well, if you jumped into the cage, but then went to the professionals and you're just doing it for the money. And to me, it's like uh, that was never the case for me in, in either or situation. Being involved in professional wrestling, that was about being involved in a business. And that was, and for me at the time that I did it, yes, it was for the money. that um, Again, just. Trying to make a long story short, I had been approached by some independent professional wrestling promotions through the mid-'80s, but Mm -hmm. had I turned pro at that time, I would have lost my amateur wrestling status, and I would no longer would have had the opportunities of making an Olympic team, world team, Pan American team, things of of that nature, and my amateur wrestling career meant too much to me to do that. As of the 92 Olympics, a new ruling came down so that I could have my cake and eat it too. Well, long about the same time, fall of uh, fall of 91, I relocated to uh, what where my, where my Michigan home is now, Coldwater, Michigan. I relocated there for a job opportunity. I had I'd been involved in coaching. I coached at Arizona State uh, for five years to support of amateur wrestling. I then took a job back at Michigan State University, coached here for another three years, then I, I left that and I started let my degree go to work for me. I was uh, working in Albion, Michigan for for a while, doing an, an 82 mile commute one way. Wow! Because I did I did not wish to disrupt my family. So things went well for me for about that first year. The guy who hired me went out to bigger and better things down in Coldwater, Michigan, and now he's offering me more money, profit sharing. You know the bells, buzzards, and, and, and whistles right now. And I'm like, well, how much? And I, and I had to look at, okay, what is my age? And what do I want to do? So to me, it's like I was going to do the corporate gig. I was going to give up the next 30 years of my life, retire with the gold watch, blah, 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 blah.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, he said, I have, I have two weeks notice. And again, because... I was commuting commuting 82 miles one way. The commute now from Owasso, Michigan to Coldwater, Michigan was going to be 135 miles. That was going to be a tough commute. So he said, I had two weeks' notice. In two weeks, I sold a home, I bought a home, I went to work, and at the end of the first week, I did not have a job. Wow, why is that? Uh, my well again that lo- a long story but the bottom line is that Bracious said that the gentleman who hired me, which he was employed by this company, did not have the authority to extend the contractual agreement that he was extending. And because the at will clause was in effect for employment employers can simply just let you go at will. No reasons and oh. there was no and there was no recourse. Uh, so all I know is my life got turned upside down. I bought a bigger home based upon my salary.
0: Mm-hmm. So
3: like the, my my life got turned upside down. So I'm trying, trying to just keep it, keep it to a short story. I needed to put uh, keep the roof over the head and keep food on the table for my family. So by day I was looking for a job. And people will, again, Americans are very short-minded. This was one of the very last really huge recessions that the United States was in. To find a job was very, very difficult. I right. even contacted an attorney friend of mine. I go, ask him for advice. He goes, he goes, dude, he says, you have no recourse. He says, first thing you need to do is send for employment. I go, how? I've never been employed in my entire life. I felt like the biggest dirtbag in the world, even standing in line to do, to do that. So by day I'm looking for a job. And I started traveling a couple of days a week down to Lima, Ohio, to Al Snow's Boss Slammer's Gym oh, okay. to
0: start to
3: learn start to learn the craft of professional wrestling. It was a friend of mine that was a real wrestler. nice guy. Real nice guy. El's Al, Al, a
2: great
3: Al's a great guy. I mean, it, just, a, just a very very underrated talent as far as I'm concerned. The mm-hmm. WWE time. He now didn't really know what to do with him, but he's very witty, very quick. Uh, Should have been really a a star in that organization, but as you so well know, in the wacky world of professional wrestling, it is so politically motivated. And I'm not a very politically correct individual, but then uh, neither was Al at the time. He, He basically spoke focus my mind, rather, frankly, and that's
2: what I like about him. Wow. Well, you know, ever since, you know, McMahon exposed pro wrestling and let some of the secrets out, you know, and, and it's mostly now all the, on the entertainment side, you know, I cannot imagine how you, Ken Shamrock, Gary Albright, Josh Barnett, what you guys could have done, you know, if everything, you know, stayed what it was. I mean, that being said, do you think that uh the the pro wrestling will do a a complete circle you know and maybe go to go back to like a catch style or um, and these men's I uh, any of these men I I mentioned like Albright and Shamrock do you have any uh, good stories about them and and
3: I guess I'll stop them. but to
0: answer
3: your first question Joe do, do I think Will professional wrestling ever go full circle? No. Um, professional wrestling, again, I'll take you the best definition. To professional wrestling, to me, is it's a three-ring circus with a side freak show, meaning that there's a little bit of something in there for everybody. There's uh, there's the flyers, if you if, if you like the, all the 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 aerial dynamics that take place. There are the scientific wrestlers. There's uh, there's midget wrestlers, there's female wrestlers, there's giants, uh, there's uh, the, the freaks of this nature, nature, uh, and, and they all, all, I, all along the line. Right there, I mean, it's, you got tag teams, single actions, um, very flamboyant people that can cut promos left and right. So it will, and you have some people that go out there and they resemble. Like the past. of things go by. I was always thrown, I was always uh, looked upon as a throwback. Right. Days go by. I wasn't going to cut no goofy promos. I wasn't going to wear any uh, goofy outfits. I wore the same stuff that I wore inside the cage. And I just went out there and, and basically just dismantled people in the process. It was kind of ironic there that uh, um, I was actually. Doing the thing that I was doing before Goldberg was doing what he was doing in the WCW. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, it turned out it turned out that years later, I happened to be out in California and through a mutual friend, um, there's like I don't know, four or five of us that were having um, like lunch, and 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 Bill Goldberg was one of the guys there, and we're talking and just getting to know each other, and and, and you know and and, and way through the conversation, he reaches across the table and kind of bumps me on the shoulder and goes, Thanks. And I go, wow. For what? He says, For, And I said, For what? He goes, He goes, Dude, he says, I was you. He says, I mimic you. Wow. And I thought, he, and I thought that was really cool that then he said something like that. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, uh, imitation is a form of flattery. And, mm-hmm. and not that, actually, I've had a couple other. Uh, UFC fighters that have uh, have uh, flattered me in, in different ways as well, yeah, with their, with some of their antics or wearing mustaches and uh, you know gray shirts and cutting some funny promos or doing some funny things at uh, weigh-ins and you know just things along those lines. So to me, it's like I, I just I, I think it's great.
2: Wow. So so do you ever wrestle Gary Albright and? And uh, like in Japan,
3: we never. uh, Again, I don't think we ever wrestled each other. Uh, We were both. We were both on the the same company, the UWF. Hello. Can you
2: hear me? No. Yeah. Yeah. Now I can. You broke broke up for last thing we heard. I think he
3: said UWF. Yeah. uh, Both Gary and I was working for the same company. The UWFI it no longer exists, mm-hmm. and, but but it, it was a shift style of organization, and right. the ironic right part is, uh, you know, part of the matches were legit, and then part of the matches were not. Gotcha. So it really it really kept the people thinking, but when you go back to old school wrestling. I think it was been born into carnival days.
0: Um, uh-huh.
3: We should have current champion inside the ring and the announcer would be there and the announcer would say uh, after five minutes for the team get $10,000 to shoot that oh. was oh
2: um, Mr. Severo, hey, you're breaking up again. Well, Hello? Okay, there you go.
3: Paul, uh, any uh, any better yet?
2: You're you're crystal clear now.
3: Okay. The 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 phone is actually just sitting on my desk. I'm not trying to to try not to move it. I'm actually just talking into it. Uh-huh. Is all I'm trying to oh, do. Oh, okay. Okay. As
2: you were saying about the Carney days.
3: Well, yeah, back back in the carnival days, I said that's where I should have been born into, when the champ would be inside the ring and the announcer would be with them, and the announcer would be saying any man, woman, or child that could last just five minutes with the champ would get $10,000. That was a shoot. That was for real. Right. Knowing that whatever poor slob climbed through those ropes, that champ was going to put down hard and fast. So when Billy Bob goes back up into the crowd, and he's bloodied, battered, and bruised. The crowd believes it's gotta be legit. Look what just happened to one of our own, and now the professionals could go on and do their performance aspect of wrestling, but again it wasn't it wasn't as flamboyant as it is today you know it's it's you know and, and, and anymore. Today, when when you see a guy grabbing another man's uh, wrist by two fingers and just pulls him off that rope and rubber bands him off there and then hits him with clotheslines or body slams, things of that nature, to me it's like, you need to have your butt beat. You are not yes. doing it any good. It, it's, you know, the only people that I think that you can really give this uh, allusion to anymore would be to children, but only yeah. because... Because
2: of the product. Did Did you get a chance to look at those links I sent you about HPG Pro? Not yet. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, when you get a chance to take a look at it, uh, Dave Hollenbeck, he's the only uh, pro wrestler in the Northwest that won two gold medals in uh, Jiu Jitsu tournaments, the Lockflow and the Naga. And he, uh, matter of fact, I trained him in pro wrestling. And then now he's training me he trained me in jiu and uh um he, he his concept was um the h p g pro in which it is that you grapple on a a, a ring that's a it's a rectangle shape, maybe only uh maybe six feet wide and you know maybe fifteen long, and you grapple three three minute rounds. Uh, submission or if you control throw them off the, the platform like sumo wrestling and what the great concept is if it goes the full three rounds uh gets to pick the winner and you know and a lot of the the B J J uh schools, um Josh Barnett he he's a fan of it. Um it's it's like it's kinda overtaking a professional wrestling here in the Northwest.
3: And uh that, kind of interesting okay so it's a rectangular shape is this a ring
2: yeah it's 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 like it's basically a ring with no ropes and okay. and, and it's it's maybe like six feet wide by 14 so it's kind of you know and it still it still has posts you know they have lights but what the, the good thing about it is is that um uh yeah, and the lights going, music playing. So it, it's almost like like watching a, a, a jiu-jitsu match, but it has more flair and the people like the competition. And like I said, either throw them off the platform in a control flow or, um, a, you know, to lose or, um, or a submission. Or like I said, if it goes to uh, uh, the uh, three rounds that um, the crowd wins, so yeah oh my computer just crashed but I'm I'm still sure we're still on the air so I and and it and if it crashed it's still recording so you know when it, it'll go straight to iTunes but anyways like I was saying before it's a great concept but yeah, I would love for you to check it out and and see what you think about it and I I really enjoy it and and so but what what's good about it you get a lot of grapplers um yeah uh, Amateur wrestlers, you know, um, all sorts of forms that come out and do it because there's another platform for them to wrestle. Because, you know, like of course you know, like when you, when when you're out of high school and if you don't go to college, you really have nowhere else to wrestle or grapple. You know?
3: Yeah, I know. You're, you're very limited at once once college is done. But even then, the odds of you going on from high school wrestling to collegiate wrestling. 99.9% of all high school wrestlers end their career upon high school graduation. It's mm-hmm. less than one percent that will ever go on. First off, I mean, there's there's uh, like nine scholarships. I think Division One schools, uh, universities wise, are get up to nine scholarships. That's not even. I mean, you've got ten weight classes. You don't even get a full scholarship per weight class. So it's uh, it's very difficult to get any kind of fan, financial aid. So, if you're going to go to college, uh, are you going to try to do uh, collegiate wrestling on top of trying to get good marks in your uh, in your your uh, whatever degree that you're trying to to uh, receive as well? The one the one real tangible thing, or I should say, that really makes wrestlers different than a lot of other athletes, such mm-hmm. as like football players, basketball players, baseball players, and in some states, hockey players. A lot of these sports they actually have a true profession that they can go on to amateur wrestling did, did, does not have a true profession to go on to, so when they leave college, they actually have to have tangible skills they actually have to have a degree so yeah. but what has happened though over the years, especially with noble barred and and which is now known as mixed martial arts wrestlers have been watching this more and more, and when you look at it, because I'm I'm a stats guy too, uh, nine of the top ten guys per weight class are amateur wrestling based. So wrestlers now are looking upon the sport of mixed martial arts as their professional level to move on to. So some high school wrestlers are, are bypassing college now knowing that I'm gonna give this uh, shot for the next four or five years.
2: Wow! Yeah. So, well, you know, another thing too is, I think you know grappling is gonna gain more popularity because I guess jujitsu is gonna be in the Olympics. And you know, with all the talk about concussions in the NFL, box, and MMA, um, do you think that grappling is gonna gain more popularity? And you know, as safety-wise, also, so you know, less brain damage.
3: Well, I mean, uh, well, again, what, what, what you're talking about, um, MMA is going to come under the exact same scrutiny of what football or any other contact type of sport. I mean, it's mm-hmm. I it, – uh, I, I, I don't know what to say. I just, I just, I'm going to come across as very politically incorrect. I really don't care. Right, and, right. Uh, we we continue to lower our standards. In the United States, mhm, and I don't and I don't understand why we continue to do that uh, to the point of i mean it's uh we're, we're raising a bunch of sissies anymore, yeah,
2: I agree, like
3: they wanted to and stop doing full contact
2: football and stuff in schools and all that stuff,
3: yeah, there's certain things about football I mean you spear somebody in the back, somebody says, like this, man, yeah should be penalized. You should be thrown out. You should be you should be financially fined, especially if this this is all happening on a you know NFL type of basis, right there. And if it happens on any more than that, uh, you know, uh, uh, collegiately or in high school, then you should be just ejected from the game and basically be banned for the rest of the season because that, that's a very bloody type of thing that you're doing to someone right there. But that's experience of it just has always been around because that's just a a blatant evil type of thing. Banging helmet to helmet, you know, it's going to get tougher and tougher on the officials. I mean, interior linemen, once that ball is hiked, that is, that's where the grind is taking place. The interior linemen, you've got 300 plus pound men who are crashing into each other like a with car wreck. Arms, with forearms, with shoulder pads, with football helmets. That's nature of that game. Yes. And, you know, now you want to start looking at all these other types. I mean, it's, you know, don't go out for it. But it's same token. I'm i going to go off into different tangents. because <laughs> okay. there's, too many parents, there's too many parents that are not being a parent though either because I see kids – they allow kids to quit way too soon. Yeah. It's like, so you know, little Johnny Jr. had one practice. I want to quit. Susie Q had one. Oh, they're, they're being mean to me. He wants to quit. And mom and dad rolls right over and allows them to quit. Yeah. My kid, he has a, has a bad practice. He wants to quit. I go, sure, son, you can quit. Once the season is over, you can quit. You will see it through because I'm not raising a quitter.
2: Now you know that being said, I, you know back when I was growing up, even you know when we did like little leagues and stuff, and 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 you know, you know you kept score, people got tro kids got trophies. Nowadays, when I was watching my nephew play soccer, it was like, uh, you know, he was playing what mod soccer or even like second third grade, and they didn't keep score and everyone got trophies. I don't know. I mean, what do you? How do you feel about that?
3: Stuff like That's that. That's wrong. That's okay. wrong. Good. I'm not the only one we that want, thinks that. Then. I mean, it's just again. We it, 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 no. If it, it's like, if it, no one wants to make anyone feel bad. No. Uh, we live as as uh demascul males. Yeah. And to me, it's like there's there's no balls nor balls. In the United States anymore, and to me, it's like you, you, you speak your mind in your dialogue, freedom of speech. Yep. Oh,
2: you're breaking up again, sir.
3: Yeah, I, I didn't. You know, I, didn't know. I know.
2: Maybe it's the government. Maybe, maybe it's the government trying to mess up your speech. Yeah, <laughs> maybe Jesse
3: Ventura is listening.
0: you
2: will know, well, no, probably I mean, do a story
3: if, on it. If, 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 listen, he, I, I'm all for him, what one he? Does there might have been Obama that might have been listening just and uh, may not like the uh, you know, might might not like what I was saying there just then. Yeah, yeah, he he has a real lack
2: of backbone. Oh, oh Obama. Yes, sir. Yep, you heard it first right here on Radio Takedown. I back
3: what Dan Severin says. So he says Obama no, I mean, don't have. I it just you know it's, it's the world. I, he, he he will go down in the history as as the worst president ever. Now everyone thought George
2: Bush was the last president. You
3: think he's going to surpass him? Oh, I, I mean, now I think oh Bush ought to have a smile on his face, going, "Man, I, I'm out of the toilet now. Like, oh. there's, there's there's someone who's worse than me."
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, wow. yeah, hey, okay, I got a question. If you had
2: a time <laughs> machine, <laughs> if you had a time machine, what era and who would you go back? And what era would you go back to? Who would you train and pick their brain, and what opponent would you have chosen to have a match with? Oh, hello, folks. I'm going to have to call Mr. Dan Severn back. Um, Actually, we've just been disconnected. So what I'm going to do is go ahead and play some Jeopardy music, and I'll be back in two and two. We are back with Dan Severn Dan the B Severn who knows the CIA must uh uh cut us off with that uh Obama the Obama talk but we are back are you there I'm here I'm here to be All right okay now now the question I was asking if you had a time machine what era and uh you would go back to who would you train and pick their brain and what opponent would you want to face
3: Oh, I mean, gosh, I, I, I you know, well, I've never been asked a question quite like that. I mean, I've, I've been asked different questions. If, if I had anyone, that whoever, I, I'd ever want to fight. And to me, it's like, I mean, honestly, this might be hard for you to believe, but I have never been in a fight in my entire life. Really? But, but I have been a competitor my entire life. And people will say, well, what about all those cage matches? Those aren't fights even what's happening now in the UFC, that's not a fight. Even call it ultimate fighting. There's rules. There's regulations. You know, in a real fight there's no rules. I'm there's no rules. So I, to me it's a it's 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 a, it's a nice little competition. It's all it is.
2: So What era would you like to go back if you had that time
3: machine? Is there a particular era? Well, if I I was going to be like in professional wrestling, I would have went back to when it was like around that, I don't know, 40s, 50s. Golden era? Yeah, back then I might have really went back with Frank Gotch and stuff like this. Those are the kind of people uh, I I would probably would have been, Farmer Byrne, things of that nature. So I'm, I'm going back. Yeah, I, I think that, that would have been the, the era that I really would have liked to have been around. Uh, when I was first going over to Japan with the UWFI, that's when I first met Luthez and Billy Robinson. So th- those those are a couple shooter slash catches, catch can wrestlers, wrestlers as well. And, and unfortunately, hello, hello, did we? Did you lose weekend?
2: Yep. There you go. Every once in a while, you're really clear, and then every once in a while, you, you you're broke up. But we could hear you crystal clear again.
3: Yep. Just okay. But I'm just saying that that uh, you know in the early '90s, you know, having the opportunity to to meet both uh, uh, Luthez and Billy Robinson, and not only just to be able to meet them, but literally to share some mat time with both of these gentlemen as well. That's awesome. Now. You know,
2: competing in the UFC and and to WWF. I know they were two, com, you know, completely different worlds. What do you think? What was what do you think was harder between the two? And the and what were the similarities if any?
3: Well, I mean, the similarities uh, between the two is there's a mental mind and the uh, the physical. Uh, attributes and or abilities. So there's physical preparation that you have to do in order to go out there. n none can just do professional, and not anyone can just do a cage fight. So there's physical preparation and the mental mindset. Now, which one made me more nervous doing a professional wrestling? It's still, even still to this day, even though I've been doing it longer, still makes me more nervous because uh, you have to fill a window of time.
2: Mm-hmm. If
3: you... If you look at uh, you've got to do a ten minute match, a fifteen or a twenty minute match, what that means in professional it's you you have to play this game of give and take. You're telling a story through physical actions. In an actual cage match, it I'm not going for it's I don't match could last ten seconds. It it doesn't matter how it looks, did you get your hand raised is really the bottom line of that. So there's uh, there's no give and take. There's uh, it's uh, I, and I tell people honestly, there, I've been hurt worse in my professional wrestling career than all of my cage matches combined. And people that are listening, they'll be they'll be thinking, well, oh, how is that possible? One is fantasy and one is reality, and it's for the reasons that I just described because I'm putting my body into another wrestlers hands that has not been trained properly. Mm. I have a very unique training facility in Coldwater, Michigan, and it's only only one uh, of a kind that I know of where underneath one roof I have amateur wrestlers, professional wrestlers, cage fighters, boxers and kickboxers and they all get along because they see how hard each other works. The same ring, it's a professional wrestling ring, the same ring that that the boxers and kickboxers watch the professional wrestlers use, they pick each other up, they body slam, they do moonsaults and all these kind of crazy type of things, and they climb into now just to do um, boxing sparring so that, that they're working in, in the same uh, parameter of a boxing ring. And they realize these wrestlers have been being, being bodily slammed into this nature, and they feel how stiff the flowing is. And they're like going, they have a whole new respect for it. And, 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 that, and they have said this time and time again to me that if they had just been watching on television, one, the whole, one different aspect, but then actually getting a chance to meet these guys and then watching them work out on top of that. And like I said, it's, it's been a great camaraderie, and I do have several – Cross over athletes that do both worlds: professional wrestling and cage fighting.
2: Wow. Uh, now, now, you know, I heard stories. You know, I heard like Brock Lesnar and and you know, um, Kurt Angle. You know, they talked about in WWE where you know sometimes like they're at house shows and and for the fun of it, the boys they'll they'll do a little shoot. You know, to see who's better. Now, that being said, when you're in the WWE was there any time any of the pro wrestlers uh um try to see what you had and try to shoot on you
3: mm, no no oh okay. no I, I i'll tell you i'll tell you a story by that okay <laughs> it's uh the first couple of weeks of being employed by that company uh-huh. uh huh i mean i i i was traveling by myself Um, stayed in uh, hotel rooms by myself, and uh, after the first two weeks of this, and and, and it was like each time the various talents would, you know, we would uh, encounter each other or I would witness them encountering each other, they'd be like, hey, Steve, hey, Rock, hey, uh, uh, Taker, I mean, uh, uh, they, they, re- they, Mark, they, they either be talking to each other, they'd either be calling each other by either a first name or by their ring name. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like every time that they encountered me, it was like, oh, and how are you today, Mister Severn, It was always Mister Severn, I didn't Respect. pay that no attention, to it, but this was going after. This was after a few weeks. This was going on, and. You know, I could say, well, the boys might be trying to pull a rib on me, blah blah blah, this or that. So I just, I just went along with it. And then, and uh, uh, in, in the locker room one day, I had to ask one of the guys. I go, I go, why is it that you guys are? you mean, know, you encounter each other, you, know, you refer to each other by your ring names or your, uh, or your, uh, worker name. And uh, by the time you guys meet me, it's always like Mister Sepp. And I, like, dude, they said, you're from the real world. You. Scare us because we're worried that you're going to wig out, have like a napalm type flashback, and start crushing us out there, turning a sh- uh, a work into a shoot. Wow. And it was kind of funny because all during the same time frame, I happened to be sitting in the cafeteria at one show, at one of the shows. Uh, and again, this is way early in the day because, I mean, at that time, you're supposed to be uh, showing up somewhere between noon and one o'clock. In the afternoon, uh, and you know the, the WWE I mean, they're great about you know, feeding and sorts of things of that nature.
2: Right. And
3: uh, I, I was in, in, in basically in the cafeteria, just doing work, sitting by myself, doing some work stuff like this. And, and the ironic right part is, the, the Japanese guys. They had a little group of Japanese guys. After a while, they started coming over and just sitting by me, even though they could speak very, very little English, and I could only speak maybe just a handful of words of uh, Japanese. They started hanging out with me. Well, one day, Jim Cornette walks by me and he puts his hand on my shoulder, he goes, I don't know what you're doing there, Dan, but keep on doing it I go, well, What do you mean there? Jimmy goes, he says, Well all the boys are nervous around you I go, Jim, I, I said, I'm not doing anything. I said, I'm just sitting back, I go, there's good and bad in everything, every company and I go so I'm sitting back and I'm watching theater, theater unfold before me. He goes, well, then he says, he asked me a little bit more. He goes, well, what do you mean by that? By that? I go, well, Jim, I go, take this room, for example. And I started pointing around, and I I saw the different, and I was pointing out the different little cliques of people who are sitting with each other. And I go, look at that one. Uh, There's one of the creative writers, and there's one of the so-called stars that's talking to that creative writer. Now, Mm -hmm. short of this so-called star, pulling up chapstick and coating up his lips and kissing this uh creative writer's sin. I mean it it's it's he's jockeying for better positioning for storylines and things of that nature. I said right, because right. it said the 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 sport of wrestling it's all political it's politically motivated. If Vince McMahon Wanted a 98 pound weakling wearing a pink tutu to be his champion. So be it, saith Vince, because who signs your check? Yep. And so to me, it's like, but there are some of these wrestlers, they live in a world of fantasy for so long, they soon forget. Where did fantasy in and reality begin? They start believing all the crap that a creative team member or team put together. For you, so yeah, now, they start believing in their gimmick. Exactly. Now, get back to extra story. So I, I told, so Jim, I, I put out, and he started laughing when I, when I thought about pulling out the chapstick and kissing the creative team's uh, members' arse in right there. I go, him, uh-huh. uh, and I'm like, Jim, I have, I'm not, uh, not a very politically correct individ, individual. I can't kiss kiss another man's arse in. I would rather put my size to a boot in their rectum as opposed to kissing. And it was kind of funny. I'll say two or three weeks later is when they came up with that gimmick, Kiss My Ass Club.
0: Oh,
2: yeah, I remember,
3: the, Man. yeah I remember that. The, the, the Vince McMahon Kiss My Ass Club. In order for you to keep your job, you had to kiss his ass. So that was the story behind it. I I can only assume, but at the same token, guess who was never asked to join the club?
2: You. Exactly. Wow. You know who sticks in my mind? I did it, and I remember me and my dad was watching with Steven Regal. Yeah,
3: it's Regal. I mean, I think one the the funniest one was I think Rikishi. Yeah. Uh, was it? And, and, and I mean, literally, where he he had. I mean, you, you you lost. Vince's head. "Vince was buried between Rikishi's cheeks." Yes,
2: yes, yes.
3: That was and, classic. And, but it, the crowd popped really when when that all happened. I mean, Vince. I mean, Vince has always been a good entertainer. He knows he knows his role, and he knows how to get the emotions that he wants to get out of the audience.
2: Yeah. We. Yeah, that being said, I remember listening to a Terry Funk interview, and he asked who is the most hardcore person out there, and he said Vince McMahon because at his age and he's a was a, and a billionaire, he's out there taking bumps and getting stitches in his head, and you he don't have to do that.
3: <laughs> no, exactly. But, well, I mean that. I mean, especially at the time when when in the ring, you've got Vince McMahon and you've got Donald Trump. Yes, that was. That was crazy because now you have two men in that same type of financial category. Why are they doing what they're doing? It's, you know, I mean, it's, uh, let's face it. When you're in the world of business, uh, politics, you are still a figure in so many different ways. And so to do certain things, it, you know, it, it could be done in, in a good way. It could be done in a bad way. But they're. they're you are public domain at that point in time. Any politician that that says they want to keep their private life private, once uh, you jump into this political arena, it's, it's public domain. You know,
2: now what do you think about?
3: Um,
2: um, what do you think about like if when Vince McMahon uh, passes and completely? Because I, I don't think he'll actually ever let go of the reins, you know, while he's still living. What do you think about uh, Stephanie McMahon and, and, and Triple H? Do you think they're going to, you know, succeed and take in the reins? Um, I was, you know, I had a conversation with my buddy Dave Hollenbeck, and he was telling me that, uh, well, let me back up a little bit. Do you think there's a crossover in fans between UFC and WWE, pro wrestling? Do you think there's a crossover? Uh, i Sure. Yes, there is. Okay. There's
3: a lot. Of, there's a lot well, of the same demographics.
2: Right. Well, that being said, it almost seemed like because you know UFC's you know beaten WWE's arse you know in the ratings and stuff, they 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 went out and pretty much publicly said that they weren't going after the the MMA the UFC crowd. they there are totally different. Uh, entity, and by them saying that, it almost sounded like they said that because they didn't want to admit they're losing and pretty much saying that they didn't care if they had the mixed martial art or UFC fans. I mean, I thought it was a bad business move. I mean, what do you think about
3: that? Well, again, I, I guess it wasn't pretty much information until now. Um, I, I don't... There's there's a lot of that same demographic. The people that watch MMA, you know, they'll, they'll watch... Uh, Professionalizing because it, it, they might be a, a fan of Brock Lesnar. They might be a, right. a fan of King Mo. Oh, you've got uh, Ken Shamrock. You've got Tito Ortiz. You've got uh, um, the, the, Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley. And then, uh, I mean, it's definitely a few of the right. guys. You've had Kurt Angle that has talked about it. I mean, he, he did not go back and forth, but he talked about uh, doing a, a career. In uh, MMA as well, but there's yeah. there's still other wrestlers that that have actually crossed over back and forth. What, what, what I couldn't, couldn't, I'm sorry. What I couldn't there. grasp
2: is like you know if you're gonna do some, you would think you would want to grab all the audience from all aspects like MMA, boxing, uh, um, NASCAR. I mean, you know what I'm you know what I'm trying to get at. It's like why only say you're living into your you know, certain demographic, wouldn't you want the whole pie? It almost seemed like you were just trying to justify themselves to their stockholders or something. I mean, that's just my opinion, but.
3: Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, it's hard to say. Sure. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you've got fans of all ages. You know, that might have been because they started with their age. They <laughs> you sound
2: like Morris Code, sir. Oh, sorry about oh, that. There you uh, go. There you go. You're good now. Well, now, now, now. You know, I know you had some great matches with Ken Shamrock and UFC. Was there any kind of animosity or any alpha dog thing going on in WWE when you guys were going at it? Oh my goodness. Uh, you know what? I just lost Dan Severn again. So let me go ahead and put on my good old Jeopardy music, and I'll. Be back
1: in a few seconds. Tap Bitch, Jiu-Jitsu and MMA Fight Gear, a proud sponsor of HPG Pro and Debashi's Radio Takedown. Saturday, October 25th, 2014 HPG Pro Percents, HPG Pro 4 Tournament and Super Fight. The Super Fight Champion, Tacoma, Washington's very own Sean Clarkson versus Portland, Oregon's HPG 3 Tournament winner, Demarcus James. That's Saturday, October 25th at 6 p.m. at the People's Community Center, 1602 Martin Luther King Jr. Way, Tacoma, Washington, 98405. Be there. Each and every Sunday night at 6 p.m., you can catch UIWA Blue Collar Wrestling. That's BCW at the North Portland Eagles at 7611 North Exeter Avenue, Portland, Oregon. If you're in the Portland, Oregon area and you want to go eat where the champions go and get their grub on, go to Patty's Home Plate Cafe at 8501 North Lombard Street, Portland, Oregon. And don't be afraid to call Patty and let her know how much you appreciate her supporting Debashi's Radio Takedown and making it free for you listeners. Or you can call and make reservations to eat at Patty's Home Plate Cafe at 503-285-5507. That's 503 503- If you need a personal bodyguard, if you need papers served, or any kind of investigative needs, get a hold of Incognito Private Investigations and Services at 31incognito at gmail.com. You can send all your emails to RadioTakedown at gmail.com. I will read and answer each and every one of them. Also, you can get all my multi-social media links at ProWrestlingJihad.com. That's ProWrestlingJihad.com. And please, if you like Debashi's Radio Takedown, go to iTunes and subscribe. It's easy, and best of all, it's free.
2: Welcome back. Well, my Jeopardy! music wasn't playing. We're having a bunch of technical difficulties, but we had our ads playing to make this podcast free for you. And, yes, I got Dan, the B7, back. He's on a better phone line. Welcome back, sir.
3: Well, good. Can you hear me how much better now? You sound so crystal clear I could drop a pin. Cool. All right. Now,
2: anyways... uh, now, so what do you think would happen once Vince McMahon's out of the picture? What do you th- how do you think what direction or do you think WWE
3: will survive? Well, I mean, obviously, it will go on. It won't be this. It won't be the, the exact same product because everyone's going to have their own influence. I'm sure that uh, you know Stephanie uh, McMahon. You know, growing up with Dad at, at the realms, she she probably has a good idea as to what Dad really wants. But again, you know, Hunter might have some some different thoughts about how it should go. So it won't be the exact same product; it will change. But that's the beauty about professional wrestling it has, it continues to change with time. Yeah. Well,
2: now, now the question I asked before we lost connection, you know, you and you, you and uh, Ken Shamrock had some great matches in UFC. Um, when you guys faced each other in the ring in WWE, was there any? Um, I would say egos or um, <laughs> um, you, you, know
3: you could you could you could say egos if you really want to, there, Dean. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I'll just say that sure. I mean, uh, you, again, you look at as we first met each other. I mean, uh, we were adversarial towards uh-huh. each other. I mean, uh, whatever time that we shared when we first got to know each other was inside of a cage, and where we were trying to take each other's head off.
0: Right
3: now we're in a different environment, but there's still it almost doesn't matter what type of a gathering or event you want to put together. You get enough males in the area, uh, testosterone will commence to flow a little bit there. You know those that wish to be the alphas and things of that nature. And it's uh i I've been an alpha my entire life, yeah that's why they call you the beast <laughs> <laughs> well, who
2: who who was your who was your greatest and toughest opponent as a wrestler or uh m m a or any any form of martial art well, who was your greatest opponent
3: well i mean it would be it would be another wrestler is what i give that that nod to only because the the greatest strength that I had walking into uh, my matches was my wrestling ability. So if I went up against another good wrestler, and now we start to negate each other's wrestling ability, now it comes now it comes into play secondary skills such as uh, striking power with your hands, striking power with your legs, knees, uh, you know things of that nature. And I was not very strong suited in my striking discipline. Uh, I mean the reality is, uh, I only ever planned on doing one event. Uh, D when I first started uh, this, I don't even want to call it a career because it was never a career to me. It was it was a hobby, and mm-hmm. I, I just did I just did the very first uh, match ever was as a test to myself to see can I get to this guy before he gets to me. That's really what I was. That's how I looked at it, and uh, and I didn't tell a single family member when I did wow. my first cage fighting event because, you know, my parents, um, they got nervous when I wrestled. So you think I'm about to tell them I'm about to climb into a cage? No way. So, wow. um, you know, but the, you know, the ironic part is, uh, my father, well, both my father and mother found out about it. I happen to have two of my uncles have to be, uh, watching it that night. And, lo and behold they they call my parents home. My father's name Marvin and my dad answered the phone and and uh, uh one of my uncles go, Marv, do you know where your 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 boy's at? Well I've got four other brothers.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And
3: he says, Well which one? He goes, Well Danny He said, Well is he down in cold water? And my uncle's like, Oh well, no, he's about to climb in this cage and do this and my dad's like, What the hell? you know, I and uh you know, they call back uh, after each match. Okay, he, uh, he's okay. He won this match. Okay, oh, he lost his match, but he's, he's, he's okay. And and uh, so ironically, I mean, you realize I started a cage fighting career. When I, when I tell people I've broken a lot of age factors, uh, barriers.
0: Because
3: uh-huh. I started my cage fighting career uh, just before turning 37 years of age. Oh, wow, okay. You don't start a cage fight career, you, re- you retire, but that's when opportunity presented itself. So that's so why I tell, tell people, you know, when they start to learn the story, I, I wasn't looking at this as a career. I only wanted to do one event, but because that first event went well for me, and I, I didn't get hurt, I said, like, okay, I'll do the next. Then the next led to first year, to the second year, to basically I had a 20-year career, in that wow. industry. In my final year, given up as much as three decades of age to younger opponents. Wow. And that's why I said that I've defied barriers in the fact that look at the age I started. Look at my winning percentile. It's one of the highest. Realistically, I think it is the highest when you look at over number of matches and stuff like that. There's only four people in the world that have over 100 mixed martial arts matches. I'm one of those four. There's only three that have over 100 victories. I'm one of those three. Ironic part is, I did face the other three. I did defeat the other three. And the closest one to my age was 15 years my junior. Wow. Now, now you throw in... Here's a couple other key factors. Throw in the fact that I am lifetime chemical-free. You find another professional heavyweight that can make those claims. It doesn't walk this planet. I know most of their camps. So I'm, I'm lifetime chemical-free on top of that. Now, here's the real kicker. In all of those years of doing just a cage fighting alone... I only ever did two training camps, one for 32 days, one for 35, and that's it. I taught classes. So the fact that most of my opponents ought to be ashamed of themselves that someone that was older than their father, without any physical preparation, climbed into a cage with them and kicked their butts. That's what puts me into a category all by myself
2: wow that's impressive that's
3: impressive well yeah wow. I, I do a lot of, i do a lot of motivational speaking with high schools junior high things of that nature i talk about the importance of education and i always despised that hypocritical athlete that would be like uh, doing a commercial yo 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 don't do drugs stay in school <laughs> And a week later, they're busted with a pound, a kilo of this or that. And the whole Go, don't do this. Don't just don't do the commercial. I, 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 I actually can ac- accept you. Uh, here, here's a classic example. Brock Lesnar. When questioned, "Do you use steroids?" His response. Uh-huh. His response. I have never tested positive. That wasn't the question but he answered it honestly. So I can appreciate his response.
2: Right, right. Wow. Now, um, you know, I remember watching your your early UFC matches, and I remember you coming in with the the NWA World Heavyweight title. Now, did you get any flack in the UFC (laughs) for having a wrestling wrestling
3: title? Oh yeah, they did not want any association with professional wrestling. Uh huh. Again, again, just with with your listeners here, they gotta realize, you know, because most people they they only really know about mixed martial arts from about the middle of 2000s and top five and forward. Uh-huh. That's when that's when uh, I think it's either 2004, 2005. Ultimate Fighter show was on Spike Television and you had the one match that really stands out was Stefan Bonner against Forrest Griffin. For three rounds, these guys knocked the dog poop out of each other, and and people, so many people got hooked because they just couldn't believe how Two guys just beat the crap out of each other, and then they hugged and were smiling afterwards, and Ultimate Fighting Championship was, was, was just heard all over the place at that point in time. But that TV deal is really that, that lit their path. My whole reason of saying the story is, there's been three different ownerships of that company. Uh huh. Most people only know of Dana White, uh, the Fertita brothers uh, that, own, that own that company, and that's the current ownership. But there was a Bob Meyerowitz, Bob Meyerowitz, Semaphore Entertainment Group prior to them, and the very first ownership was Horian Gracie and Art Davie. I've worked literally for all three ownerships now. Wow. So, no. go ahead. No now,
2: you know, and u f c had you know um there was a lot of I believe I was watching a documentary how uh was I think the Gracies were saying that it wasn't they they how would i say it they changed the rules, it isn't really ultimate fighting anymore, do you think you know when they put the rounds and the padded gloves and all that, do you think that was the change for the good or you know, to clean it up commercially or, I mean, what, what's your uh, take on it?
3: Well, the the the, the aspect was um, they had to make changes because you had Senator John McCain who was stirring up the pot, rallying all these other uh, politicians, legislators, athletic commissioners that were going after the sport of no-holes barred. Mm-hmm. They're like this cannot be taking place. This is human cockfighting. It's blood sport. It's uh, it was being banned left and right. The, the the worst ownership at the time was underneath Bob Meyerwitz. I should say the the worst time to own that company because he was taking the brunt of all of this and they were, were that they weren't able to, they weren't able to do pay per views and things of that nature in order to. Uh, to to view this stuff, it's like you almost know, had to be uh, you know on, on the internet uh, and, and knowing where, where these where these shows were taking place. You know, Bob had a really tough time. He was f- starting to make the first inroads of speaking to various athletic commissioners. What do we need to do to change the sport to make it acceptable? And that's what has happened. See, a lot of people think that that the owners themselves changed the sport. No, it was because of the outcry. Of politicians, legislators, again, the pussificationers of uh-huh. this world, making it into a sissy type of a sport. What you like better? Well, I mean, the reality is, I mean, the more people will, again, if you saw both um, both, both Types of uh, fighting shown side by side. If you would show a match in mixed martial arts and show a match and from the No Hose barred era, most would like the No Hose barred era because it was so raw in format. The, f- the fact is, you had only two rules in the No Hose barred era: those being do not bite your opponent, do not stick fingers in the eye socket. End of the rules end of the rules, these you let your imagination go wild and you were good to go and all kinds of things were done that would not be done to you. like people grabbing people's hair, grabbing their clothing, kneeing them in the growing. Headbutts, things of that I remember the first time I did my first headbutt, you know, I took my I took my guy down, I'm inside of his guard and he had both my arms uh Locked up, uh, you know, like, like he had his, his, his arms were crossed, and he had both my arms locked right into where he, he, he smiled at me like, well, what are you going to do? I looked left at my left arm. I looked to the right, my right arm. I looked at him. I smiled, and then I headbutted <laughs> him, and I and I crushed his nose.
2: Oh, wow.
3: Wow. I mean, but, but okay, how how do you practice a headbutt? Do you say, hey, D, let's practice butts Here, how does this one feel? Oh, that wasn't quite right there, Dan. Let's go get it. No, you're not gonna be practicing headbutts, you should be do it. And like I said, that was that was a very special uh I don't know, some people look at it as a dark era of civilization, very barbaric, but you know, almost to the point that it was like gladiator type of sense. It, it, I even kept a couple of the old contracts because I'm I'm in a pro- process of writing a book and I know oh, okay. that certain things are gonna be questioned and D, you you may not know this by now, but I like to rub people's faces into reality. Uh (laughs) I I really do because a lot of people just need to wake up. And uh, to to know that those two rules I told you about, it, it, it stated in black and white on the contract, in the event of your accidental death, let's see, as long as they didn't bite someone or stick a finger in their eye socket, there's a whole lot of other ways I could take a man's life and never uh, violate those two rules. Wow. I even I even kept my old training manual that I put together because training for no Bard, barred DVDs, VHS, books did not exist. I made up my own training camp. And there was certain things that I'd be rolling around with one of my opponents. I'd reach up and I would clasp their ear and then I'd release and then roll on again, I I reach up I clasp the other ear and release and like, well, what are you doing? I go, why well, I just ripped your ear off. And they're like, You can't do that and I go, Oh contrary, my friend, there's only two things I can't do to you. Bite you or stick a finger in your eye socket. Other than that, I can take your life.
2: So and they looked did, at me
3: I'm sorry. They ahead, just ahead. They, they, they they just they looked at me and they and their eyes got big, and they're like going, Dude, that would suck and I go, Well yeah, I go and, and reality is what if I didn't have quite all the strength to tear your ear all the way off? What if I only tore it halfway off, and yet I'm still tugging onto it? Do you think you might tap out? And you're like, yeah, I, I, I want to keep my ear. I go, I always said, I said I, I want to be the first guy that tears a man's ear off and shows it to him, just before I throw it over the cage wall, because and just to let those people know that's why you pay the good money for those ringside seats. <laughs> wow, wow.
2: That,
3: that's a – <laughs> I'm trying to picture that. i man, That would that would, chill, that
0: would put some
2: butts in the seats if you did that. Well, I
0: could
3: see me, it happening uh, right the, now. The, the, the funny part is, I mean, people people that did sit close would get splattered with blood and stuff like that. I I, I always do tell people, it's kind of like going to a Gallagher, an old Gallagher concert where you used to have uh-huh. your sledge-o-matic, sledge-o-matic. You'd pull it out and be watermelon. Watermelon stuff like this. I go, think of it as a Gallagher concert. You might want to bring that little piece of plastic right there because it gets so close there. I'm, I'm gonna, I I always tell people that I want to be the first guy that takes his opponent and, I, and I'm going to show him the technique of the cheese grater. When I grab him by the scruff of the <laughs> hair in the back and I shove his face up into the chain link and I show him north, south, east, west, and his teeth and his nose or his ear gets hung up in that chain link. And then all of a sudden it's like, you, you grate off half a pound.
2: Wow, no, no. I remember you saying that when when you got into <laughs> it, when you got into it, um, <laughs> that that got me hungry for some reason. I
3: don't like know. I there. I think I th- I think I need to go take my medication now. You know, I'm I'm about, <laughs> I'm about to do for some Prozac here. You know, I think. <laughs> well,
2: you know, you were saying that when 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 you first got into it, you 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 know you you basically went in to what, prove yourself. It was like one match and yes. a long yes. career. So when you're growing up. What what did you want to be
3: when you grow up? When you were a kid? Well, what you, it, I mean, honestly, I was pursuing I was pursuing the sport of wrestling, and it's uh, I mean, you know, again, uh, it's a lot of stuff that will come out in, in my book there. But okay. uh, you know, I mean, no, but 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 the reality is, I wasn't pursuing a cage fighter career. Who who? No one grows up aspiring to do something like that. But but do they do that today? Yes. You've yeah. got kids. Who are training? When I mean kids, I mean you kids that are five years of age that are yes. training MMA now. So I, I say that there's a lot of phenomenal athletes that are in the sport right now. But give it the sport as of as of this coming December uh-huh. will be will tw- we'll be 21 years old. Wow! Now my 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 prediction is. In another say three to five years, you're going to have that 24, 25 year old athlete that has grown up with with MMA their entire life.
0: Uh huh.
3: They will start, you know, a wrestling. uh, They'll start in a wrestling program early on, and they probably morph into some jujitsu, and then they'll start taking some muay thai, some boxing, some some kickboxing, to where they will have 20. Twenty or more years of actual training before they go into that cage, and you will see a whole new generation of fighters—not only of, of just fighters, but of uh, tacticians. What I mean by that is there's 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 techniques and there's tactics. Mm-hmm. There's uh, you know again I. I look at myself as one of the, the, the greatest minds being in that game well, again for, 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 for different reasons. If you, I mean, literally, if you were to look at me and realize, okay, I've been in a hundred some odd cage matches, and that the number that the internet has is incorrect because when did sure dog full contact fighter all of these these Fight Finder uh, websites even exist. They didn't exist until three, four, five years after the fact when No Holds Barred broke ground and they only followed one company and that was the UFC. When No Holds Barred broke, I would have businessmen approach me and they would hand me a pager. Now, again, I have to explain what a pager is because most people don't know a pager. <laughs> it was prior to the cell phone, a right. pager, electronic device. And it would beep, 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 and a number would show up on the screen, and you went to a pay phone. Now, again, I have to describe what a pay phone is. You actually go to a pay phone, and you call the number, and a ticket would be waiting for me at, at such such an airport. I fly in. I will be picked up. I will be taken out to a designated area where there will be Food and dining and entertainment will be you and someone else in a cage.
2: Was this more underground?
3: Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So again, this was stuff that none of these matches were ever recorded. So again, I'm just saying that that's what puts me even again to know to to basically let you know that that whatever uh, record that is out there on the internet. They're probably, I'd say comfortably, 15 to 25 matches off. That I should have at least that many. And you'll, if you ever get to know me, you'll know that I'm a very conservative type person of when I do by prediction. It, it, it could very well be much more than an additional 15 to 25 matches. But I'll give that for safe numbers. Right. Wow. Now... You know, we
2: just—I don't know if you know who Tokyo uh, Monster Cahagas, He was the Triple Crown NWA champion. He was just on the show not too long ago, and uh, now, how was your NWA run? Uh, how'd you come about winning the world title? Did they come to you and ask you to join, yeah.
3: or oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, basically, they all come to me. It, it's uh I think it was uh, Dennis Carluzzo, I think he had, at the, had the idea at, at the time. I mean, the NWA was almost non-existent. I think there really was only one international promoter and mm-hmm. only three guys left in the United States that were pushing NWA product. So by me having that belt carried out by Dennis Carluzzo himself uh, to the octagon cage, and again, that was, as uh, I had to jump through some hoops, because the UFC did not want to have that association, but then I had to explain to them who I was and that I would not bring any disrespect to them, same way as that I do, do not bring any disrespect to the NWA belt, and stuff like this. I go, you, you guys just don't understand who some of the people who have carried this belt out there are. Right. And the history, I go, now, the, not all of them are stand-up people. There's been a lot of jerks and jag-offs along the way that have carried that belt as well. And that's uh, I, I, I hold... I don't hold that person uh, at fault. I hold the company at fault. Even mm-hmm. even when I was stripped of the belt, I mean, th- th- technically speaking, I was stripped of the belt uh, for a uh, TNA pay per view. TNA was oh. you know, had, had had cut a deal with the NWA to use the belt.
2: Yeah, to lease it or something,
3: right? Yeah, and, and they were they were doing these Wednesday night pay per views or something like that. So I mean and I I gotta go back and I I might be all on Yeah my they account. had the yeah the, they had the
2: weekly pay per views. That was before yeah. they uh Yeah, yeah, before they got on T V. Okay.
3: And I used to keep my and I used to keep my schedule right up on my website. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, whatever their first pay per view was coming up and I guess they were just getting poor ticket sales stuff like this, so they're trying to beef up the car, beef up the car to the point that okay, now they want to do a heavyweight title defense. And then they contacted me. I mean, they put it out there before every contact. me. I go, I can't do that. I go, I'm, uh, I said, it's right up on my website. I have a cage fight the exact same night. Right. And, right, and then, but then they started giving me more and more pressure. I go, I can't. And they're like, well, we're, we're, we're going to have to strip you of the belt. I go, well, that's fine. I said, I gave my word to another organization. Yep. Okay. As that old cliche goes, hindsight. It's 2020. I mean, I wish I would have done what I, I'm about to say. Uh, when when they said, "Then we're going to strip you your belt," I said, "That's fine. You can strip me of the belt. Send me who your contender is going to be, and I'll send you back. And I'll send him back in a pine box. <laughs> because who are you going to send that's going to legitimately take this belt from me? Nobody." Right. Right. You know, and that's what, again, I go back to the wacky world of professionals, and some of those guys have lived in that world for so long, they soon forget where does fantasy end and reality begin. A couple of these guys really do need to have the, uh, a rude awakening. Yeah. If it's, a, it's stupidity, I mean, where else can they make the kind of money that they're making? Being Playing Halloween, you get to dress up and be somebody else. Yeah. There's, there's no... It, it's phenomenal. Like I said, we'll leave that. Let's go into something else. Okay. Now, do you watch? Do you watch? Do you watch any of the product nowadays? Like, uh, in- honestly, no. I, I again, just I don't watch much television. Uh, I will watch a select match here or there, but just watch a television, um, I'm I'll, I'll be lucky if I watch, I'll say maybe an hour or less of television. Um, uh, a, a day And I don't even know If I even could say I watch that much A lot of times uh, When uh, the, the TV will be on In the background But I'm doing Something else You ever watch the show
2: Sons of Anarchy
3: I, I know the program I, I know what you're Talking about I don't yeah. think I've ever watched A complete episode though. No
2: I don't watch much TV I'll catch wrestling Here and there But That's one show That's well written Well written So if WWE Like took notice of it Maybe you know it had some better storyline, but
3: what do I know? But <laughs> so well, <laughs> you know, again, yeah. you're talking about WWE, they've always been in tune as to what's happening in the world, yeah, and and toward they've always capitalized in different aspects. When you had the had the Ta- Tanya Harding incident in the Olympics Games, where you know uh, uh, the, the the what was happening in the ice skating type incident, and then they had the you know, they had incident that took place. Yeah, they've they've always, they've always been in tune when they had. Uh, Oh gosh, I'm just drawing a few different blanks. I have got pictures in my mind, but I just can't come out with some of the names and stuff like this of, of people, you know, that, that 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 they've been in there. And they've always, they've always, whatever is, is hot commodity, or hot type yeah. of subjects, they've always, they've always played on those key factors. And it was, uh, I'm surprised that uh, when we look at when when Iron Sheik came on on uh, on the scene, you know, a uh-huh. villain. That's when a lot of things were taking place in Iran and stuff like this. Right. And, Who did we have to to fight? Dino Sheik? We had Sergeant Slaughter, you know. I mean, and, and, you know, they had that kind of stuff. You know, with all the crazy stuff that's happening in this world, I'm surprised they haven't gone back to some of them old gimmicks right now because you've had all kinds of war type of incidents. We could have had all kinds of evil uh, people, foreigners.
2: Well, like you said, people are getting too pussified now because remember they had the Mohammed Hussain, and they were going to do his gimmick, and then they had that bombing you know, somewhere and then they decided to kill him off with the Undertaker because they wanted politically correct. I that's another thing. I remember in the dressing room with Kevin Sullivan. I don't know what's more frustrating, he says back in the day uh my gimmick would have made millions, you know, because well wrestling's changed now and he goes, There's one thing Vince would never touch you because of your gimmick, uh uh you know, too politically, you know, they want to be politically correct or something or make uh, triple H would. I and mean, I was like, Oh, well, you know, I uh, I didn't care. I, <laughs> here's what it is.
3: Yep. I'm with
2: you. But yeah. So growing up, growing up, uh, who, 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 who'd you idolize or who do you pattern yourself after? Um, who
3: inspired you? Well, I mean, I, I watched professional wrestling, uh, growing up, I mean, every Sunday afternoon you had uh, big time wrestling. That's what the, what I watched. That was a product of uh, of uh, the Chic and uh, Bobo Brazil, yep. uh, Flying Fred Curry, the likes of the, those type of gentlemen. And you know, I had uh, I'm I'm one of, uh, of of eight kids. My parents had eight kids. I'm, I'm second. I'm the totem pole. I had four other brothers, three sisters, and you know, my brothers and I we would be watching professional wrestling. And of course, you had to by grabbing. Have one of your brothers airplane spin them a few times, and, and and body slam them on the couch, break a few springs, you know, maybe a leg on on the couch. It was, it just seemed like the perfect place to simply just body slam them. That, uh, yeah, I just I I got involved with it there, and it it just when opportunity presented itself, I I actually thought that uh, I mean D I actually thought this might be my only opportunity, to ever be, a professional athlete. Or to wow. possibly live a lifestyle of a professional athlete, so I I went for it. But then I, you know I I went for it, but then also you know, I told you because of, of of you know being without a job too. Yeah. I mean, it it, it it launched two things right away. It launched my professional wrestling career, but then also I saw this flyer for a Tough Man contest. Now Tough Man basic does not even exist anymore. Um, tough man used to be where you'd go out there with these—I don't know—16 or 18 ounce gloves. I'm not sure what what the weight was. Uh, you would you would fight three one minute rounds, and mm-hmm. he had the likes of a, like a butterbean. That's where he came from for some of the 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 tough man contest. uh contest. And I saw this flyer, and it goes tough man contest coming up in I think Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, winner receives one thousand dollars. Now, D, I had never I had never balled my fist up against my fellow man. But I needed a thousand dollars, cause rent was due. As I said before, I had to keep a roof over my uh, family's head, and I had to keep food on the table. So I, so I went to this event, and just fast forward, two days of competition is either five men or six men later, I walked out with a thousand dollars. And as part of my uh, new found skills, I wasn't half bad at this fighting thing. Wow. But, you know, as the old cliche goes, necessity is the mother of invention. Well, I changed around. Necessity was the father of invention because I was a father and I had to take care of my family. Wow. And so, I, you know, a lot of people, when I'd be traveling on the plane, you know, they be uh, they be looking at you like, uh, are you like a football player or something like this? I go, no, no, no. And they're, oh, what do you do for work? I go, well, I I do the uh, I make money the old-fashioned way. And I go, oh, how's that? I go, I beat people up and I take it. <laughs> <laughs> and people, you you'd be surprised the look in their eyes when they when I say something like that. I go, I go, no, seriously, because <laughs> what, what what would you call what would you call cage fighting? I mean, really. Uh, to, to the victor goes the spoils there. I mean, if you if you lose in a cage fight, you're taking physical damage in the process. I always equate it to a physical chess match where a checkmate hurts. That makes sense. Now, did you ever get the chance to meet the original Sheik? No. Uh, no. Nope, nope, never met him. I met a couple of his... Uh, Brothers, I do believe that, well, uh, that that they still, you know, other, uh, last name Farhat that they still they run promotions and stuff like that every now well, and then uh, that up being, in the there is.
2: That being said, have you ever d- had dealings with the
3: son Eddie Farhat Jr.? Yes. That, well, actually, that's that's exactly what I, I was talking about just now. Was 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 with Eddie Farhat? How would how was your dealings with him? Mine were just fine, you know. Oh, but okay. Then I mine were all. Be, um, I I changed a lot of things in, in the world of professional wrestling that um, a lot of promoters probably were not used to because I I did get retainers. I would not right. give up a I would not give up a date without a retainer because you know. Not, but then I I had to I had to learn a lesson or two though too by being burned by a couple of promoters. So I learned pretty quick. On I always I always refer to everything I do as the cost of education. Yeah. So. I don't I don't have
2: anything good to say. I I it's, I I almost got to meet him, make a long story short, but when I was finally going to get to ma- meet him when I was living in Michigan, he died 2 days before I got to meet him. Uh-oh. And yeah, but I met his wife and but his son Eddie Farr Jr. I have nothing good to say. All I got to say is this. So,
0: uh-huh. 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 Yeah, Yeah.
2: but anyways, yeah, well, you know, we're starting to run out of time here, and um, hopefully we can have you on a future show, and you can plug your book, but I want you to plug whatever you want, any last words, any shout-outs, I mean, go ahead and let it out, what you got going on, plug your school website, the whole nine yards. Yours, uh, I guess I,
3: that's really all I really will plug is the website dansevern dot com. I've I've lived an interesting life and I'm not done. I've broken barriers, I have defied odds, uh I am an inspiration that's probably the number one email or number one Facebook posting that I get is the fact that I have inspired them, not not to climb into a cage, not to become a professional wrestler but to do more than what they're doing because that's they see me like just earlier this morning i i went to just get an oil change for a vehicle mm-hmm. and when i go in there i sit right down and i bring work with me i've got my cell phone there and i've got my little planner an actual physical planner. i don't put it all into my cell phone uh different reasons but uh and I, I just literally and there was like three three other people inside the thing and they just saw how I just came in and I just took over this little room I took just took a chair spun the chair around and I actually had a, to be like a makeshift office I'm texting away I'm writing I'm purging and, and I keep stepping outside make a quick, quick, quick phone call step right back into a little make makeshift office and and now all, all sudden they start making comments to me like I do they're like are you are you something really pressing and I go like no I go I said I'm a very productive person I said I don't want to lose the next hour hour and a half of my my life here I said I'll bring work with me I'll get off X number of phone calls I'll get off X number of uh, text messages I'll, I'll be updating my book so that I keep myself on track I go I have goals and aspirations and if you don't put markers or goals or uh, timetables to, to do things most people just talk about what they're going to do. They'll never achieve anything. It was all just, you wasted my oxygen in the process. I even say that when I walk into my training facility. I have a 10,000 square foot training facility on my property in Coldwater, Michigan. Uh, I work with the Arizona State Wrestling Program in, in the sense that the same facilities that they are, that they utilize, I have, I have a submission wrapper program that takes place there as well. I have my own MMA company, all geared towards amateur. I've done pros, pro-ams, and amateur cards, and now I'm just strictly geared towards the amateur card. Uh, And I have my own professional company, but then I also do training for law enforcement, corrections, uh, border patrol, air marshals, military. I mean, my my gift, uh, D, is physical mechanics. If there's a better widget to be made, I'm probably the guy that can do it. So by just say, go to my website, because what I said about professional wrestling being a three-ring circus on a side freak show, my website is basically that three-ring circus and and a side freak show. I do it because I am the freak of defiant things and the fact that I'm lifetime chemical free. I expect to outlive all of my competitors because I have longevity on both sides. So that's why, yeah, I, I retired from MMA. I started my professional submission grappling career just this year. I took one year off because I told myself that once I'm done with MMA for one year, I won't do, really do anything, and then I'll start my submission grappling. I did my first professional submission grappling match just back in May, and I have a group that's talking to me right now for a November 1st show, but awful short notice. I don't know if I can do it and, and, and uh, perform anywhere near my capabilities, but it, it, I'm toying with my next match. So, we never know. Some of the things that you talked about, maybe I will be, maybe I'll be in, in, in contact with these groups just because I am the novelty because of my age and my credentials and what I've done in different, in, in other sectors.
2: Awesome. Yeah, do me a favor when you get a chance, check out those HPG links. And I'm sure HPG would love for you to compete in one of their tournaments. And, um, Like I said, it was just a pleasure to have you on the show. I'd love to have you again to plug your book. Um, And it was an honor for me. Thank you.
3: Well, Dee, thanks for having me.
1: This is They Full Love, the Butcher Dobashi. Please share, follow, and or subscribe on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on most of your major podcast platforms. That way you'll get notifications and you will not miss a single daily spit. I am also ordained, and I can marry you and give you all your blessing needs. Send your booking request to debashibookings at gmail.com. For all the links, go to lyricalspit.com. And I'll talk with you tomorrow with my daily message. My Daily Spit. Help keep this show free. By buying some of our swag of apparel at ButcherSpit.com. We have t-shirts, hoodies, and even baby onesies. That's ButcherSpit.com.